Hello and welcome to Time Lock, the podcast in which guests choose the records they would place in a time capsule to represent their lives. On this episode, it's my pleasure to talk with Fayex Optim. Critically acclaimed Fayex Optim, or Wes to you and me, has released some of the finest down-tempo electronic music in recent years. Albums such as Look Around You, Adventures in Nature, and most recently Let's Pretend have been essential purchases for many and are repeatable go-to LPs for more. He's remixed and collaborated with artists and labels including PBS 73, Carvey Collective, Lack the Low and Christian Sheck. And whilst he's taking a pause, he's already scheming for his next project. I'm AMC and I'm your host for the next hour, during which Wes talks about the importance of experiencing live music in your teens, how some of his disastrous band experiments helped form his sound, and dispels lazy Boards of Canada comparisons. This version of the podcast contains the music Wes chose. There's an extended version of the conversation without the music if you want to seek that out. So thanks very much, Wes. Thanks for joining on today's 
Local Cost. It's fantastic that you're here. As we were just saying just earlier, I was just finishing listening to your list, so there's going to be some fantastic tunes I think the, I think the listeners are going to really, really enjoy. But before we get into that, I think it'd be cool if you could just maybe talk a little bit about yourself, kind of the music you've been making for the past couple of years. And obviously we want to talk a little bit about Let's Pretend as well, because that's your latest release. It's certainly in my top 20 albums of the year, no questions, um, but I know a few folks probably want to know a bit more about it. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I release music under the moniker Phyx Optim, which has been pronounced in many different ways, but <laughs> whichever, whichever, whichever best it's. Yeah, um, I'm guilty of that. I come up with yeah. Optim. Is that, yeah. is that a faux pas? Well, yeah. No, I mean, I don't, I don't. I'm happy for people to pronounce it as they like. I guess with faux Optim, it kind of sounds like. That should be reserved for the the cover band. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I yeah I've been releasing music under that moniker for the past few years. Um, how would I describe it? I guess I mean people most regularly compare me with Boards of Canada, Kelp kind of thing. Uh, I I view it as sort of lying in the region of sort of post rock meets electronica with some sort of wobbly synths and. Uh, and in that sort of reboot. And so, what about Let's Pretend? Because obviously, you've released yeah. a number of albums you've had and look around you. Yeah. I really enjoyed the Adventures in Nature, but Let's Pretend is really great. So, so I started writing that maybe August last year, and I, I kind of. So, Look Around You definitely has a slightly more leaning a little bit more to post rock and organic sort of feel. Um, and with Let's Pretend, I probably wanted to go back to sounding a bit more similar to my first release but just more polished uh, I mean also it's just a good decophobia and I, I, I like some of the songs in it but it's it's it sounds rough to me now um, and I've just I've learned a lot about how to produce my music um, since then um, so when I was writing let's pretend I wanted to keep it fairly tight sort of thematically uh, I may do have it make sense as a record as opposed to just a collection of songs that are all fired together on an album um uh and that's really about it it, it, was, it was i've just felt it, it, the album just felt like a kind of development of what i'd been doing for the last few years and i was just in a place to probably do a better job of it um it, kind of tighten up the production um that kind of thing so hopefully people I mean, the feedback so far has been pretty positive, mm. um, and hopefully that will continue. Yeah, it's been really positive, and you know, just reading, you know, some of the comments on the, on Bandcamp really hits the spot, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> there's somebody called AMC who says "absolute fire," yeah, essentially that, in any collection. I don't know who that joker is. Um, <laughs> outstanding body of work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. What you just described—it's a—it's definitely an album. It's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. And it all kind of weaves together. So, um, yeah, I think you think you've done a great job, a great job with that. Yeah, it's funny because there's there feels like three almost distinct sections in it, and certainly the end of the album has a different, slightly different aesthetic from from earlier tracks like Radio Gate and things. Mm. And, you know, some people have mentioned that maybe the 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 end tracks are not as strong as the the earlier tracks. I think that just comes down to personal preference. Uh, it definitely felt to me like that was the way to to have the album flow. Um, and there's a kind of slightly lighter come down at the end of it, as, mm. as it were. 
Yeah, it's definitely got that. And you also had, had a track appear on one of the comps. I've forgotten the name of the compilation. Is it Strange uh, Selectors? Yeah, Strange Selectors. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that that's that. There was. I know we exchanged messages about it because it's quite an upbeat, upbeat track. That one. So yeah. how did you? How, how did that come about? That collab. Just you know, from a group of guys. So you'd be familiar with Letters from Mouse. I yeah, heard of them. Yeah. So so he he actually lives. Um, the other side of Edinburgh for me. I've not met him in person, but kind of send messages and things. Mm. And the guys uh, were a Foxma, um, who are also based in West Lothian. Yeah. I just kind of got to chatting and then invited me to, to get involved. Uh, obviously, it's a charity release as well for, um, I'm going to mispronounce that, but Medicines on Frontier, mm-hmm. which I thought was a pretty decent cause. Uh, and when they told me the guys that were going on it, were going to be released on it, I thought there's some pretty good artists on there. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was a really good little project to get involved with. But whenever I do those things, do one-off tracks, I do. I tend to maybe write something that I wouldn't put on an album. Like I enjoy writing some slightly more beat-heavy IDM style music. I probably wouldn't write a fourteen-track album of that, to be mm. honest. Mm. It just doesn't quite fit. So it's good to kind of flex that idea a bit sometimes there's one-off tracks and do something a bit different yeah nice to mix it up a bit and and it's a very very strong track too all right let's let's get into the selection and again without spoiling too much for the audience as we as we go through this when i was looking at it first of all mm-hmm. i thought yeah that's a that that's it kind of starts with kind of archetypal what i would expect if yeah. i didn't know you then it starts to really go off into some very interesting territory, as you say, definitely into that kind of post-alt-rock sound. And you can definitely hear all the, the, the kind of influences. So it's, it's super good as one was one list. with as you said kelp yeah. um and there's a sea in your body which is kind of that almost like if you didn't have balls of canada that's kind of like the for me the archetypal yeah early 2000s kind of peak warp sound it's 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 got everything all the kind of trademark like all the trademark motifs you kind of think of now looking back on it but at the time obviously it was it was kind of new so so yeah, what's what's this one mean to you? Why did you why did you pick it? 
so that time, so when was that? It was out around about 2004 or something. Exactly like that, that. Yeah. 2004, yeah. Yeah, was it? Yeah, um, and it was, that was probably around the time that I was starting to get into that kind of music. So previously, I just, I mean, I'd been a guitar player and had no interest in anything electronic whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, you know, I'd heard Boards of Canada, I'd heard Kelp, and that was kind of like those, those kind of electronic music artists. They're, they're a kind of the electronic music for non-electronic music people, if you get what I'm saying, yeah. they're kind of they've, they've got such an overlap with post-rock and the kind of thing that I was into at the time, that it's quite accessible and it probably opened you know, my perspective to the other artists of Warp at the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I just always felt that, that that Kelp album kind of doesn't get the attention that it should do, probably because it's always, and I feel like I'm familiar with myself, but kind of in the shadow of of Boards of Canada and the fact that. Geo Gadai was out a couple of years before it, so. It, but I, I think it's a great album, and it was just one of those records that kind of got me into that that aesthetic and that sound at, at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is now, I think, the fifth, fifth or sixth podcast we've done for Gated, and it's it's heartwarming for me, and it's also really interesting that although we've had a very diverse set of folks come on, there's an absolute thread it's a, a thread that goes through everything that when we get into the electronica space for whatever term we want to call of it it's absolutely comes from people who are either in or have just a big passion with um with alt rock there's there's this, this absolute symbiotic relationship um, yeah. you don't seem to get anybody who just went oh you know i really love electronic music and i'm going to make it it was no it came from somewhere completely different, somewhere much more acoustic and kind of band driven. So it's really interesting. Yeah. So you said you were in a band yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, just to go back to your point, I think that's what it is. I think like those bands, Kel, Boris Cardan and others, like the musicality is so strong in what they do. It's not mm-hmm. just the electronic music aspect of it. It's just really good chords, really good melodies, really good progressions and clever songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what appealed to me. But yeah, yeah, I used to play, I played in bands until probably a few years before I started my Phyx Optum project. Um, primarily sort of post-rock and math rock bands and um, playing loud guitars and awkward time signatures and things. <laughs> uh, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of what I do with Phyx Optum is similar to, to stuff I played in bands. It's just a different aesthetic around it. Certainly a lot of the guitar parts I use Mm. But I use it reasonably sparingly, but they're fairly similar to to some of the guitar I was doing while I was playing in bands. Mm. Um, and also, you know, I mean, I, sometimes I miss playing in a band, like miss gigging and and the whole. Just it's a different feeling when you're when you write a song for a live band and you go to rehearsal studio and the first time you hear it coming together, mm. it's different. It's a different feeling from when you're just sitting at a computer and recording. Mm. Um, but in the same token, I just such a pain in the backside. <laughs> I just I just don't know if I could go back to that whole thing again. But yeah, it's it's definitely got its merits and it's got its challenges, right? Yeah, I mean it was yeah. a, it was an easier transition from sort of post mathy post rock to this than you'd probably think. Um, for one thing, I I, I bought a, an old Roland SH101 to use. For bits in that band, so I already <laughs> had the main synth that you'd want to want to have mm. in place mm. for this. Mm. Um, and actually, a lot of the, the 
you know, a lot of the kind of musicality, a lot of the music behind it, it's, it's pretty similar. It's just different instrumentation all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So how did Kelp come come to you? Did you, was it something you friend recommended or you heard it on a mixtape or something? Do you, can you remember? Oh, yeah. Um, it's a good question. I, th- I think it was a friend. I think it right. was a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my mates from, from school, uh, he was a couple of years older than me. You know, that thing like two years when you're 15, he just seemed way more worldly and <laughs> knew a lot more about music than me. I think he went away to college or something. Um, and then came back and he just had all this new music that I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Uh, and Kelp was one of those, was one of those bands. Yeah. 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 yeah I know that. That's another topic you talk about just like how so different these days, but how you, how you came across music or how you were recommending music is just completely different. Even yeah. in the space of 10 years, it's, it's completely changed. Yeah, it's a funny one. Like I remember, we used to have a chain of of sort of record shops in Edinburgh called Avalanche, uh, and of you know like every other record record chain, they're not there anymore. But you used to just go into the record shop and just they'd be playing stuff that was good, and mm. you know just go like, what is that? <laughs> and then they're buying the record there and then because it sounded good. And that that kind of cultural finding music that way is is mm. is not there anymore. Yeah, uh, I think because I, I probably of an age that I was just at the tail end of it. Um, so I kind of got a little bit of it when I was a, a teenager, and but then mm. you know, after that, streaming started happening, and yeah, um, it's just a different way of doing it now. Indeed, and the rest is history. But there we go. We go from, again, one absolute classic. We've already mentioned them now a number of times, um, Balls of Canada. Now, you've chosen Julian Candy. So I suppose my question is pretty specific of why, you know, they've got, contrary to what I was talking to Dallum about, where he sort of thought perhaps they didn't have a big repertoire. It's like, now they've got a massive repertoire of songs. So why did you why did you choose Julian Candy out of, you know, hundreds? Um. It's hard to really. I mean, they have quite a lot of. You know, they've got a lot of good songs. <laughs> certainly. Yeah, a few. <laughs> I just, I just, I just always. When I think of Boards of I mean, I wouldn't say I have a favourite track or anything. I, I tend not to do that. But if I, if I want to go and listen to Boards of Canada, that tends to be the track I'd most want to listen to. I just, yeah, something about that that I really like. Um, and it's probably for me their best album. Mm-hmm. Um. So there, that was it. Just for that reason, and I just remember, like, probably when Geoguide came out, like, I didn't, I didn't really catch music as any children. I was probably 
a little bit young to be honest when it came out. Um, so Geo Gaiden when it came out was probably when I first started listening to them and that song just jumped out at me as being particularly potent and I don't know, it just made me kind of appreciate that style of music from a different perspective. Like mm. it's so tuneful and so musical. Mm. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. <clears throat> well, all of them, all of them are interesting. There's some mad sample in that, as usual. But it's got this, the whole flute and the recorders that are kind of floating in and out. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it kind of, it's kind of distinguishable from a lot of the other tracks on Giagadium. I mean, they're all pretty unique, but that one in particular has got that real, it's got the uncomfortable edge, but it's got that kind of yeah. very relatable sound. Right. It's there's, just... almost, there's almost something slightly proggy about it in places, mm. I think. And I don't know if it's just probably they said the flutes kind of flying around the place. And, um, and then they have, I, I can't remember what the sample is, but there's that kind of string sample that's getting used and things like that as well. Um, I, th- I think probably for that album, it sounds a bit more organic than some of that, the rest of the tracks on that record. Mm. Um, probably why it appeals to me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, if you compare it with Alpha and Omega, yeah. which is a very very synth heavy track that's like your yeah your archetypal board sound yeah it doesn't sound like that at all it's got far more stuff that's going on there um sure was a better way of describing yeah, it some, some of that record kind of some of it certainly has a more of a kind of psychedelic trippy yeah. vibe going on which isn't you know it's not kind of quite so chord and melody structured mm-hmm. um and i think uh, julian candy probably has a more just sounds like a, a good song with nice melodies that there's a bit of probably a few misconceptions that where you where you live and who you are yeah. and the board sound as you said you said right at the top you know you get a lot of a lot of compliments that you know you sound like them but I was just wondering like how does that make you feel you kind of is that a compliment or do you kind of think you know what I don't really want to sound I've got I've got my own sound which you clearly have I mean for my ears yep. I can hear, I can hear the difference right but how do you feel about those comparisons yeah, probably the latter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not naive that the comparison isn't unwarranted, right? There's definitely similarities there, and, and as I mentioned, it's, when, you, when you're making music like this, given that they were the band that kind of got me interested in electronic music, it makes sense that there's going to be a massive influence from that. And, yeah. But, it, and I'm sure other guys have a, a similar sort of feeling. It, it sometimes feel just can't escape that constant shadow that even if it's slightly aesthetically similar to Borja Canada, you just get that comparison. Uh, and I, and I, I think there's a lot, there's definitely similarities, but there's a lot that isn't like Borja Canada. Yeah. Um, and I certainly don't set out to to write music that, that sounds like them. It's, it just happens to be that there's a similarity and an influence. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's just a natural thing that I think people do mean it as a compliment, and I think people, because it's there's such a sort of obvious aesthetic reference for that sort of style of music, it's fairly natural to apply that kind of to to everything that, that that's fits in that that sort of universe. Mm-hmm. But there are yeah, it, it does eventually it starts to get a little bit grating when every review or every mention of it kind of always has to. To, to mention to reference it in the context of Boards of Canada. 
Yeah, especially when there are clearly some very lazy comments as well that are just just put out there. I've I've, I've certainly seen a few. I hope hopefully you haven't, but I've definitely seen a few where they just oh this guy's just ripping off balls of calendar. It's yeah. like, come on, you ha- you clearly have not been listening to actually what's going on there, or you're just you know you're just a troll. So it's a weird it's a weird thing that it only really happens with balls of calendar. You don't hear bands that are playing. Those 70s rock music just constantly being <laughs> accused of ripping <laughs> off Led Zeppelin all the yeah. time because yeah. I think because with those styles are kind of wide enough styles and there's on so many people doing it that it's kind of okay to all sound within that aesthetic similarity. But with the Borders of Canada thing, because it's a little bit more niche, mm. I think probably it doesn't warrant a style of music in itself. It just gets it's just Borders of Canada. It's just that one one artist. Right, well, let's get off the subject of boards because uh, we talk about we could talk about them all day, frankly, and what on earth they're up to if they're up to anything. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll let the rumor mill talk all about that. This is almost brand new. I just looked. This was released last month, actually. This is listener yeah. depleted, and I, I guess it's called Brock with the dollar sign at yeah. the end. This is fantastic. I never heard this yeah. from the album. You slept. I didn't. Really, really ambient. Love it. So, how, how did, did did you know about this artist? Is this something you've just found, or you know, why did you choose? Um, so this actually ties back to the the Strange Selectors compilation we we're chatting about, and one of the guys that was on that. Um, so. There's a, a little label called Music is the Devil, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure you may or not be aware of. And I was, I've been chatting to, to one of the guys that runs that label. Um, they've got a really good ethos, uh, it, very similar to I view music. Um, so I've kind of potentially been chatting about doing something with them in the future. And it's just it's one of the artists that they've recently released, and I thought it was great. And they're doing a lot of good music. It's kind of going a little bit under the radar at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think. You know, what to if if I can give it a little bit of a shout out and get people listen to it because I listened to the Duplicated album is great it's fantastic mm. um, really nice I mean droning that kind of ambient droning music can go one of two ways it can be a little bit boring but this guy's done a really good job of it um, so yeah yeah it's it's really it completely surprised me I, I I wasn't I didn't know what to expect from it and it was it's absolutely sort of music i would buy and i'm gonna have to yeah. buy it um and uh, would listen to and also play you know regularly so that's a really cool connection drone is something i really can't get on with but i i would i wouldn't even call it that it's definitely more in the yeah. the ambient space because it's you know it's got some melodic uh, value to it so yeah well that's it i mean the guys that the guy one of the guys that runs the label that i've been chatting to um his sort of take on music is very similar to mine, as I mentioned. And even we're discussing sort of, he does electro- electronic music himself, but he has a sort of interest in sort of a lot of the post rock and stuff that I'm into. So probably has that interest in, in chord changes and just the, so 
out of the basics of music. Uh, I mean, even to the point, he, he's, he's US-based, and he actually was talking about some really obscure Scottish post-rock bands that I used to listen to <laughs> as a teenager. So he's, you know, he, and a lot of really good stuff that that's kind of expands beyond just the electronic music universe. So I'm looking here on the Bandcamp, folks listening to this. So album's called You Slept, I Didn't. You can actually, at the moment of saying this, that you can still buy this cassette. Only a few of them left, but you can buy the digital. And yeah, I'm definitely going to dive into it. So I don't, I, I don't know anything else about the artist. Do you, do you have to know anything more about about them? Uh, not, not particularly actually. No. Yeah. Um, I just remember it coming out and just thinking this sounds really good. It's yeah. Really nice. So with that, we'll move on swiftly to something much more let's say mainstream to to a certain extent compared with with Lister depleted that's clark com touch again bought records 2012 for this there's a lot more going on here than let's say we've kind of eased it in with kind of classic electronica we've gone to the ambient but now we're kind of beginning to you know bring in some of these elements that you've been talking about like post-rock so so yeah how did you how did you come across clark and this track First album. Uh, this is the first from Aerodelphic, The first Clark album. I I think I'd heard. Well, they had a ton of albums before that. Um, I can't remember, if I'm being honest, how I how I came across it. It may again just been being at a friend's having beers one night or something. They put it on, but that album is so good. Um, I I think Clark is just a kind of step above everyone else at the moment, um, and has been for a few years. Uh, and that I mean, that's probably a fairly accessible track in the album, but like the pining parts one and two and things like that, and that are just there's a lot going on in Clark tracks, right? I think he spends a lot of time producing his records, mm-hmm. um, and there's just, I mean, God knows how many instruments are actually involved in some of those tracks. I did read an interview with him saying that Warp just pay for him to go and live in a cottage for six months, and, <clears throat> you know, doing sort of living the dream really. <laughs> Um, but even from that, it, you know, it's got other tracks that are not on that record, like um, To Live and Die in Grantham, which is maybe not as quite as intricate, but it's just a really good sort of kind of techno-ish track. It's so versatile. He seems to be able to do anything and do it really well. Mm-hmm. It's a really great, great track. I, I kind of, I was listening to it and if Jean-Michel Jarre, Kraftwerk and Bibio had a baby, that's kind of what it's going to sound like. Yeah. It's kind of got all those classic big key melodies but then you've definitely got this much more uh yeah like a bibio kind of uh yeah. organic sound with it it's, it's a cracker it's really really well produced as well mm. that that with, with that much going on in that records at times it, it would be easy to to kind of fall into a bit of a noisy mess but he does such a good job of the production mm. and the ending of the song as well is quite interesting it begins to kind of get very dusty 
and it's still got the same tempo but it kind of feels like it's slowing down and i thought this sounds almost like vaporwave right it's kind of got that dusty yeah. echoey walking through a mal sound it's, it's, as you say there's a lot going on i don't know if that was intentional but it's certainly certainly pretty striking when i hear it yeah no you're right and i i like to believe that everything he does is intentional but you know <laughs> everyone can have happy accidents as well i suppose but indeed indeed can you think of any happy accidents on um your tracks where you've just been experimenting or do you have like quite a clear vision in mind i, I think it's going to sound like this or you know I how know, much there's, does, there's, no. a, there's a, a million happy accidents right. <laughs> <laughs> some, some, sometimes something as simple as a, a sample going wrong that ends up you know sounding more interesting than i'd anticipated or um you know sometimes like a stutter on a drum beat or program the drums incorrectly or you know just it happens all the time so you've got to keep recording all the time just capture everything <laughs> even something simple as um i think the last track on let's pretend like my guitar which i didn't realize was starting to <laughs> the frets were starting to go a little bit on it okay um, I've, I've since had it set up and had the, the frets redressed and everything but it was quite buzzy and it, it just sounded like a kind of broken little guitar but actually like it kind of fitted the track Mm. Like if the guitar was too crisp and clean, I don't know that it would have quite had the same the same feel to it. So, um, and that certainly wasn't intended to have a broken guitar <laughs> during that track, but actually it worked pretty well. You, you clearly hold Clark in in high regard. So, what else would you recommend from Clark if someone hasn't listened to them before? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would just in terms of his variety of what it does. The I can't remember what the film's, the program is called The Last Panthers, I think. Mm-hmm. He did the soundtrack for that, and it's an absolutely phenomenal soundtrack. Um, yeah, to live and die in Grand Thumbs, an excellent song. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of things I would check out, and I think between that and Adelphic, you've got a pretty wide range of sound there. You can you can hear what you can do, but there's there's so many. He's released quite a lot of music, and it's all really good. Body Riddles are a really good record. Um, a bit earlier than Adelphic, but just really nice. So mm. Some of it has a kind of almost like the drums have an almost jazzy feel to them at times. And speaking of jazz, that's a great segue to the Peter Chris jazz track by Don Caballero. Ten minutes of, well, I mean, prog rock kind of meets <coughs> everything. This, it's incredible. Yeah. What what I, a tune! I uh, I remember friends and I tried to determine what style of music Don Caballero actually are, 
Uh, we kind of called it Avant Rock at one point. I think it's probably just Math Rock, to be honest. Mm. Um, it would be difficult to overstate how influential that band were and still are on me. Um, so as, as somebody that was you know, primarily just a guitar player who was interested in post-rock, and just hearing that, the aesthetic of what they do with, or what Ian Williams, a guitar player, does with the guitar, mm. um, it just has such a different vibe about it, and a, a different way of approaching a kind of mathy post-rock band. Uh, and it's, it's, I don't know, if you hear that, it's easy to hear the transition from that into the likes of Kelp and Boards of Canada. It has that slightly wobbly, strange structure sound to it. So, I mean, that's maybe not the most accessible track I could have picked from there, to be honest, because it has quite a bit going on. Um, and I, and I, when I was probably at university or end of the 1920, I, I attempted to play in a band similar to that, where it was myself, um, a bassist and a drummer, and I used a, a loop recording pedal. Um, played a few gigs where we just looped over all these parts and talked about it. It was a total disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the, the effort was there. Um, partly, mainly because the drum, for the, if, you're, if you're looping guitars, the drummer really needs to be able to stay in time. Um, and if he's, if he's speeding up and slowing down, it all goes a bit out. So it didn't work particularly well. But um, absolutely phenomenal band. And that, that album is, I mean, I would, if I had to pick a top five albums, it'd be in there. Okay. It's a uh, you talking yeah like using a loop pedal. I mean, how the hell do you even go around creating something like that back when it was kind of created? Because it's like, it, 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 I mean, it, it, I'm, co- I'm glad it's got jazz in the title because you kind of think of like free from jazz and just kind of you know noodling off. But I mean, is that what they did? They just noodled for ten minutes and came up with that. I don't know. It feels like there's too uh, much. I don't know. I mean, yeah. So the, the band was actually started by the drummer, um, called David Shea, who is kind of like an octopus. <laughs> he's just, he's just, he's just a monster on the drums. Um, I don't know. If, so Ian Williams played guitar at that, at that point for the band, and he, he's now in, he went away and formed the Battles. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but similar, a bit more straightforward. But that era of Dog Cab, there's an album before it called Walk Once Never Returns, um, American Dawn, and there may have been another one, was with the guitarist Ian Williams, who kind of had that, just that mastery of, of using loop pedals and just this really nice aesthetic sound. Um, just really interesting math rock that, that no one else I'd, I'd ever heard of doing anything like that before. It just made you, it made me want to experiment with, with using instruments in different ways. It probably, if you think about it, like, looping is basically sampling. Um, and that was kind of probably my first lot foray into sampling, is by loop pedals and looping bits over each other. Just seeing if you can make it sound a bit weird and wobbly in places. Like your album is kind of split to three parts. This song's almost like split into like five or six. Yeah. But somehow it, it does, it is all coherent. But I mean, if you, you know, in the YouTube culture of just skipping through the track, you go, you how, how, how is this end was just one 10 minute piece? Because you could literally slice it into into six and you'd have six distinct tracks, right? It's, it's quite yeah, something. They're, they're structured a bit strange. I don't know if that's just just because they use loop pedals it's it's difficult to kind of keep that transition and you have to basically drop it and start again mm-hmm. drop start again so I think that's maybe maybe part of it just logistically 
it kind of forces you down a certain avenue. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I've actually don't give too much away, but I've actually I have sampled um, Don Cabin stuff, and there's a sample. In, let's pretend you won't you won't be able to tell. <laughs> it's just mangled in the background, but yeah, there's yeah, a very important band for me. Yeah, and was that intentional or was that an accident? But you did you go? You know what? I really just want to. Put, put a bit on the I, I was I was listening. I was listening. To, I don't want to say too much about it, but I was listening to that album, and it was just a, a bit where there was just guitar on its own, and I just had an idea to, to yeah. use it. It sounded nice. I thought I could maybe yeah. mangle that to the point where you can't hear it. <laughs> you, you, you can hear it, but you can't tell. You can't tell what it is, right? Yeah. It's kind of key to sampling to make sure that you yeah. can't actually tell what the original thing you're sampling yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I wrote down, I, this is what I imagined the Sanderson brothers would have done. They would have been in a band, they would have done something like this. Just, it's not messing around, but it's absolutely just going off and exploring and doing it. And then, and then you know, years later, coming up with uh, the, their own distinct sound. It, but I think you could kind of apply that to any, any kind of sort of big electronic artist who's kind of got some roots in as you said, some roots in acoustic rock or just, you know, um, acoustic instruments in general. It's kind of, as you say, it's got all, all that transferable experience yeah. and knowledge and, and, and composition. It's maybe not something you'd listen to every day, I think. I think, I think I'd go there, 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 there was a period, I think I probably did listen to it. Almost all right. When I, when I, yeah, when I was a, a teenager, I think, later, <laughs> later teens, when I was starting to move away from, from punk and thrash metal and all that nonsense and start more into more experimental music and sure yeah, yeah. Um, but probably I probably would now well have we got the time it's a treat every few months like yeah 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 it's a treat record it's definitely it's a comfortable pair of comfortable slippers And it's this, the next track actually goes real nice with it afterwards because it's even it's fusing in a much in a more modern sense, even though it's 2017. That's James Holden and the Animal Spirits. The track each moment like the first. James Holden, I don't get on with James Holden that well, but there are a couple that absolutely do. 
one of which you got me onto, which we'll talk about. But yeah, this is this is a cracker. Again, that proto that proto sound of the two worlds kind of colliding and coming up with something pretty fabulous. So yeah, how yeah. did how did you get to this? Um, I, I mean, I actually wouldn't you say that was over the 2017 or something? Yeah, 2017. Yeah, but I that I kind of felt that was my album of the year to be honest right um, it was a great album and I, I know what you're saying about James Holden I, I didn't really pick up on him at first and then mm. I, I can't remember that I had before that but I remember I had a track on it called Blackpool late 80s that's the one and I just yeah and that you know that certainly fits with all the kind of things I like and the fact that he was using a live drummer as well kind of just I thought that's it just I don't know, it just has a more sort of natural organic sound to it. And, th- and th- th- this record, is even more so, it, it sounds like a band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just has, has some really nice chord changes on there, there's some nice instrumentation. Uh, I've kind of I've watched videos of him playing live to figure out what it does. I think it uses a sort of Eurorack modular synth, which doesn't seem to quite fit with that album, but there just seems to be a few guys doing different, different things. Um, one guy playing guitar and there's a guy doing bits and pieces so it's just a really interesting way of I, th- I think it's a good progression that, that he's gone for like he's, mm. he's moved his music forward I think a, a bunch by making it sound a bit more live which is something I'm pretty keen on doing at some point as well because mm. I think we listen to that it just it makes you realise that hearing something that sounds like a live band playing for me I don't know it just has something that recording on Cubase doesn't quite give you yeah yeah, absolutely. It's got it's got more. Uh, oh, I've used the word already, but it's got a more organic nature to it. It hasn't got the quantized. Everything's got to be, you know, racked yeah. up and sounding, you know, not robotic, but you know what I mean, right? You've got that room to uh, kind of play. Even even in terms of the song structures as well, I, th- I think, especially transitioning between sections, you can just it's, it's naturally easier to to think of a clever way of transition or something that's a smoother. Way of transitioning between parts when you're actually jamming it out as a, as a live performance, as opposed to sometimes when you're sitting looking at grey blocks in a door, it's maybe not as easy to come up with those ideas. Yeah, and and you hinted on it is is something that I'm always interested in, which is where an artist gets recognised, gets established, has kind of a signature sound, and then starts to, as you say, move move forward and explore with with other with other uh, to me you've got artists who don't they just churn out the same old yeah. stuff not naming any names oasis or you know whatever but then you get artists who just develop they just change change it up and then you get this kind of polarized fan base always clamoring for the old stuff whereas you know there are others who are quite happy to kind of you know, where where where's that going next and you say bust maybe james hoffman doesn't do it for me i can appreciate how that's how that's changed so you said that's something you're kind of Experimenting with as well now that now you've kind of yeah. got your got got your got your established self if that makes sense. It's, it's not even a, it's not even about being established. It's just a, in terms of the approach of doing it. Let's pretend I feel probably takes me about as far as I need to go with that. Um, I mean, I could I could go and do another record that's very similar, but. I don't know. I just it, it just wouldn't be that interesting to me to cover the same ground, turning um, mm. out the same ideas. So I've been looking. I've been ch- chatting with a couple of guys. So a guy that used to be um, in, a, in a band with actually, he's maybe going to jump on, and 
So I get slightly conscious about this because of the Borza Canada comparison, but my brother might be <laughs> jumping involved as well. Right. Um, so he's yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it's 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 not it's not it's not picked for that reason, but um, he's just he's a really good guitar player and probably yeah. the best guy for the job. Um, so he was maybe going to play some guitar, um, and it just but. It, it's still in its infancy. I've still got to figure it out, mm. decide what we're going to do. Like I was considering to try and find a live drummer, or do I just program beats, you know, using my sampler. Mm-hmm. The, the second way probably is easier to do logistically because then you can have things sequenced and all that. But, um, but yeah, it just it's just to kind of I don't want to change it. I don't. Want to, you know, I'm not going to all of a sudden sound like Don Cab or anything, right? <laughs> but I want to sound. I'll be I'll be similar. I just want to evolve it. Um, it just keep that kind of core of what I've been doing, but just hopefully, you know, try and find that slightly more organic performancey kind of flow to it. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how it goes. As I said it's still in its infancy. I've not, you know, there's nothing set in stone yet, but hopefully we'll start to think about it more in earnest and bash out some ideas. I mean, at the moment, I've just been messing around with a guitar and seeing if any nice guitar parts come up um i've actually just ordered a new guitar as well mm. <laughs> specific specifically for this so i should probably do something <laughs> yeah. otherwise i've just bought a guitar for no reason <laughs> yeah. yeah and i said i've been chatting, chatting to music is the devil as well and he, they seem interested in that approach whether again whether that whether that comes to fruition or not we'll see but i mean i'm hoping i'll have something to present to the world at some point next year um and like you said, there might be some people that go, "What is this? <laughs> mm. Guitars and bass guitars and things." And um, or, or, or you know, some people might think it's great. And then we've reached the end. That what an excellent track to kind of summarise pretty much everything we've just been talking about. Because now we go full. I've underlined it. I just call this proper alternative rock for me, anyway. I'm, others might interpret it different. Scottish band as well. So this is Lato and the track for the drivers. It kind of neatly packages everything we've just been talking yeah. about. But again, I'm guessing another big influence for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so later, there were a band from Dundee, um, who and I think I probably heard them as a teenager. Probably around the time I was, I was probably listening to like Mogwai or something like that. Right. Who, who I still think are good, but I don't know if you've heard Come and Die Young, it's a bit of a slightly miserable album. Um, and I think later were, again, sort of post-rock band, but just a bit more melodic, a bit more interesting. Mm. Uh, the album is probably recorded on a shoestring budget compared to anything that Mogwai could do. Um, Leto then went on to, to 
released two other albums and they're, they're style-wise very, very different from Make Us Mild. Um, you can argue whether they're better or worse, but right. Make Us Mild for me is, is my favourite album of theirs. Uh, and again, they were massively influential in me. Uh, just nice post-rock, really well-written songs. Uh, and I've, I've been lucky enough, I've met a couple of the guys as well. Um, decent guys. I think I played a gig with the, with the guitarist, but he was in a different band at the time, so I've met a few of them, they're, they're good guys. Uh, did you ever see him live? Yeah. 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 They played, uh, oh god, where did they play? There's a, a venue called, called the Citrus Club in Edinburgh. Um, while there was still functioning venues in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I saw them once there. I think I maybe saw them another once or twice. Uh, again, they gigged, I mean, they gigged around sort of Edinburgh, Glasgow, Dundee pretty regularly, and then occasionally went further afield. And were they as good live as they were as a studio album sound? Better? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 they were great. I mean, you're talking when I was like 18, so I was probably quite smashed. <laughs> <laughs> Falling around the front of the stage, but yeah, I mean, I certainly, I certainly enjoyed the experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now the reason I say is because you, you've clearly got groups who can, you know, a studio. Frankly, they sound better in a studio than they do as a live. So I'm always curious, kind of, you know, can they replicate? Not replicate, but can they actually, you know, they're be all, as good they're, as they sound? Right. They're they're all good musicians. Um, yeah. The the guitarist. He played in some other bands. That it, it's more obvious how technically capable a guitar player he actually is. I mean, he played like big ripping guitar solos. And, um, the drummer was excellent. Uh, I'd, I think about thing, and unfortunately he passed away um, a few, quite a few years ago now. But um, yeah, they were all they're all pretty decent at, at, at their instruments, and they were a tight band to watch live. Uh, I mean, I've got to bear in mind that a lot of these venues, you weren't talking big venues here, you're talking pretty small venues, so half the time like the backline is, is is more loud than the PA and the, the acoustics aren't fantastic all the time, but, you know, when you're, you're 18 and drunk, it's still pretty good. Absolutely. As you say, it's all part of the experience, so it's a bonus if it sounds good as well, but yeah, you can kind of let, let people off if it doesn't, if uh, I think you're kind of that age. Um, yeah, it kind of makes me think about I know we were talking about COVID right right at the beginning, but it's kind of like I know we all know about like the situation and the live events and things like that, and then the whole industry mm-hmm. on its knees. But it just that just that that period of time when you're in your teens and you just go to see bands and you just you know it's, it's such a magic kind of point in time, and I I, I really feel a bit sorry that you know the you know people can't do that now and kind of have that experience because it is 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 pretty special because when you're older and you go to band it's, it's different but that as you said when you're a teen it's kind of dangerous as well as exciting and maybe it's not so dangerous as you get older and i think that's yeah, important it's, it's a funny one like i i mean if i'm being honest I, I probably wouldn't be going to that many gigs now because in my 30s and got two kids <laughs> but um, yeah i mean it's it, Edinburgh was never fantastic, if I'm being honest. There was a few venues. There was a venue called The Venue, which used to be pretty good. I remember seeing um, Fortet there. I'm pretty sure Tecker played there and things like that. But that, that closed down. A lot of the venues in Edinburgh have closed down. Glasgow always had a, a better sort of live music scene, mm-hmm. by and large. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't. I, we never quite understood why. I've always put it down to the, the student population. Um, the, I studied at Edinburgh University, so I can say mm. this myself. But the Edinburgh University student population weren't the kind of student population that go to gigs. Right. It's necessarily they're, they're all kind of. They used to be called the sort of Oxbridge rejects that would come up to. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, Glasgow always had a slightly better scene for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there still used to be some venues in Edinburgh and you could go and you know, turn up to a few of the places on a Friday night and at least see something interesting. Yeah. But that just seems to be totally gone now. Yeah. Um, and if I'd be honest, like, I remember joking with my brother about this, like, people are complaining about all the venues closing down for COVID. So we, were, we were doing that in Edinburgh years ago before COVID got worse. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I mean, I'll see, see how it, it bounces back. It, I think it will be. I know it would be catastrophic for music in general if, if if there aren't independent music venues for bands to play and yeah. um, perform. And I, I do worry how many of them can recover from it. Yeah, yeah, it's a real, real issue. So yeah, let's hope things improve. But we don't want to end on a on a downbeat. That was a, no. a fantastic, fantastic selection, and a lot. I think I hope those still listening can go and dig away, get into. And I hope you enjoy enjoy that. So before we wrap up, let's maybe just talk. And you've already talked a little bit about the future. You've obviously bought a guitar. You've got some <laughs> sound and directions that you're going towards. So yeah, what, what else is there? Anything else coming up on the horizon? Any more kind of one-off releases or anything like that? Um, n- nothing major. There's a couple of I think maybe a couple of remixes that I've done, um, and, I, and pretty sure Cavi are putting. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when to put it out now. I think I think they had published it, so I can I can mention it. But they're putting out a, a, an album that was a sort of challenge type compilation for me and a few other artists, where it was like a lucky dip of I think three or four random '70s funk tracks. Right. And then I had to create a track just purely by sampling those. So I've got a track on that, which is like I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's my best work, but it's a pretty interesting. Little wow. challenge to work with. What did it's you fun- get? What was the track you got? Oh, yeah, you know, I can't remember. They weren't, they weren't particularly well known. I, I didn't know. I mean, not oh, that, okay. I know that I'm that well versed in seventies funk. Yeah, but um, there was there were definitely bits in there that I could, I could sample. I was lucky enough to find an isolated drum break, wow. which was which was the the critical point of it. Yeah. <laughs> so once I get that, I could just use anything else, and there was. A lot of funky bass lines and that kind of thing. Um, so I think I think that's due reasonably soon. Okay. I'm pretty sure I've got a couple of one or two remixes coming out on people's releases. So. Good. Uh, not, not nothing else apart from that. I mean, I've, I've kind of taken a bit of a hiatus for, or not that long, for a few months. Um, primarily because I had a, a baby a couple of months ago, so that's taking up quite a lot of my time. Yeah. Um, the plan is probably with this kind. Looking at this new idea and this new approach, maybe a little bit now, but probably more in earnest, start of the year. Um, and I'll just take my time. I'm not in a mad rush to get anything out the door, but maybe later next year I'll have something to to present. Excellent. And as we said, let's pretend available on Bandcamp. You can go and purchase it, download it. But you've also got limited edition CD too. Yeah. Any any reason why you chose a CD for in the physical release? You know, it's not not really the Dumpling uh, these days. Yeah, it isn't. Um, I mean, it, to be honest, it's, it's that's Carpasonum still want to release CD. That's their prerogative to do that. Yeah. Um, I agree. I know. I, I, I you know, 
does feel like maybe vinyl would be a more obvious choice. <laughs> but but it's uh, yeah, it's expensive. But, but this album's doing okay so far. Some people are buying CDs. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I don't even own a CD player, so it's quite difficult for me to listen to a copy of one album. But it'd be good if people go out and buy it so I can make more music and feed my kids. There you go. I don't, I don't need it to feed my kids, by the way. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That should, that should be the campaign. No, I shouldn't. All right, so thanks again, Wes. It's been great, great talking with you. Best of luck for the future. Really looking forward to hearing the new music. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you again to Wes for a fantastic and insightful conversation. Please check out his back catalogue on Bandcamp. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Timelock. If you have, please hit that like button, repost, share or leave a comment. And don't forget to check out the monthly gated podcast created by Node and all previous episodes of Timelock on SoundCloud. Until next time, 